You're listening to the Owls AmeriCast, sponsored by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Special half-year passes now available. Sign up now at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. Once again, it is time to focus on the league here on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and in a wild change of pace, we're recording at 10.30 in the morning, uh, and I am a freelance writer, so I could have a drink if I wanted to. That is one of the advantages of my station, but I'm just drinking plain cold brew with a little bit of sugar and absolutely no Irish whiskey, Baileys, or Amaretto in it. Also on the line, somewhere definitely not in his office working, is James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Good morning, Jeff. I can actually see daylight. This is a, a radical change for me. I'm not drinking anything. I've, uh, I've I finished a coffee on the way into the office. Um, I'm taking a brief uh, lunch break early, mm. um, and I will uh, I will top myself up later on. But uh, but definitely no IPA in the office. Just to be clear. And in his basement somewhere in Ohio. Seven Skelter. Evan, what are you drinking? Drinking uh, Bolivian blend coffee. Rachel actually brought this back from Bolivia. Um, now, it was a long time ago, so we'll see how I feel afterwards. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's been in the freezer, so whatever. I just found some coffee from Queens. I which it was like. I don't think it had ever been opened. I thought I don't know if like Jess got it for like a Christmas present or something. She doesn't drink coffee, but you know sometimes people just get you coffee at like work. Right. And then I looked at it. We've been re, not remodeling, but reorganizing the kitchen, moving stuff in drawers into different drawers. So I checked it out. I was gonna make coffee the other day. I'm like, well, what is this from? And I saw the expiration date was 2016. I'm just like, oh, that's just been sitting in the back of a cabinet for four years. Great. I'll probably not be drinking this then. Sitting in the back of a cabinet for four years sounds yeah. remarkably familiar for half of our squad. So we should yes. talk about the football. Good transition. Uh, on this episode, we will review the Derby County and Man City game, do the usual Wednesday news roundup, and preview Brentford away. I'm not doing 90 minutes and 90 seconds again, because how many different ways can you say... Wednesday put in a terrible performance. I think I found them all this year. Not even this year, really, in the last uh, two and a half months. So instead, we will go right into the Derby County review, which will mostly be a debrief of the New Orleans meetup, James. It will be. My uh, my talk. Talk about the today, game as little Jeff, as possible. <laughs> is uh, is crawfish. I don't want to talk about Barry Bannon. I don't want to talk about square balls by Kadeem Harris. I want to talk about the fact that we had an absolutely phenomenal weekend in New Orleans, um, which I think I'm still slowly recovering from. Um, so, yeah, the, the Derby game was awesome from my point of view. Um, we watched it in Finn McCool's in, uh, in New Orleans with about 45 Wednesdayites from across the continent. Um, folks who'd driven, you know, 12 hours from Arkansas, 12 hours plus from uh, from South Carolina, uh, we had folks from Florida, from New York, from New England, um, Ohio. Evan, not to put you to shame, but we had uh, we had somebody who drove all the way down from Dayton. Um, so yeah, we were in a, an absolutely cracking mood 
pretty much throughout the whole game, despite the fact that inevitably Wednesday managed to underperform on the uh, on the big day. But yeah, um, we can talk about the football, Jeff. But the uh, the day itself was phenomenal. The weekend itself was phenomenal, um, and so so good to get Wednesday fans across America together in one place and just basically have two and a half days of partying. Um, we had a, a meetup in Mimi's in. Uh, near the French Quarter on Friday night. Had about 25 folks there singing um, to the top of their, their lungs. It was um, you know, really, really exciting to see just how many people have got a passion for Wednesday despite our continued problems on the field. Did you get Patty into a bar that wasn't a major chain place at some point that weekend? <laughs> Uh, there was a there was a trip down uh, Bourbon Street on uh, on Saturday night in which Paddy may have tried to persuade a large group of uh, American twenty somethings to sing English football songs. Um, that may or may not have proceeded particularly successfully, and Paddy may or may not have got home at about five o'clock the following morning. Then I'll. Uh, I mean, I was following along on Instagram at Owls Americas, and it seems like uh, Paddy was having the time of his life. I, and you know what? We've got to, we've got to give kudos to a few people. So a shout out to Paddy Jones of Caucus, New Jersey, who basically was the instrumental ringleader behind this whole idea. Um, but also to Jamie and the New Orleans Owls, who were just the absolute consummate hosts. Um, you know, they they laid on organized bars for for everybody to meet up in on the Friday night, places for people to stay. Um, the food. I mean, I just said crawfish on on Saturday. We we went straight across from Finn McCool's, straight across to to one of the guys' houses across the road. It's massive crawfish boil, which just seemed to go on forever. Um, so amazing hospitality, such a welcoming group of people, um, and they even managed to persuade uh, Tommy and Paddy and Ariel and Paul to get Wednesday tattoos. Oh, so we spent that, Saturday yeah. afternoon doing that. So yeah, <laughs> we we ran the whole gambit. It was a truly exceptional weekend, and the football mattered not a jot. I mean, at least with Paul, it's like he's got so many tattoos already that one more is really not going to make a huge difference. Well, we're not going to disclose where this one is. I'll let you. <laughs> I'll let you do some. I noticed he was not putting it in the in the picture I saw. So, <laughs> what goes on tour stays on tour, or at least on Paul's body. You know, I was I was also following along from home, and and I saw that our guy from Dayton was there. And, um, you know, just for me, it was super cool because, you know, I met you guys through Twitter, obviously, and we, we, you know, set, set all this up and, um, you know, we, we were, I, I call us, I called us, you know, virtual friends, right. We hadn't met each other and then we finally came together. Actually, I met Patty first and came together at Paul's wedding in Chicago and met all of you. Well, separately, I had met Patrick and Dayton and, um, it was just cool to see that now through Sheffield Wednesday and through Owls Americas, a guy that I met in Dayton watching a soccer game now met with you guys. And, and it's just, it, it, it's exactly what our mission and goal was at the beginning, right? It was to bring Wednesdayites in the United States or in Americas together. And um, just to see that taking place, to see that come to, to fruition is just really cool for me. You know, I, I couldn't echo that more evan i mean we've, we've been at this now for a couple of years and you know this podcast is coming up on its 100th episode which is kind of testament to the fact that we've been talking to wednesdayites across the country for a fairly miserable period of time in our footballing existence but it just gets better and better in terms of the people that we meet and the connections that keep on making it and that was kind of that was the thing i really took away from the weekend but the, you know there was a point when you know and this probably brings us back to the football where the third goal gets in and 
you know, the reaction of 40 people who hadn't really met each other before, but just it was a true Wednesday vibe. You know, we were, we were still singing, we're going to win 4-3. Um, you know, it, it was kind of like being at a Wednesday away game, as I've been to back in the UK. And, and it, it says that there's a real connection between all these people who come from incredibly diverse backgrounds, but have found something they really enjoy about being a Sheffield Wednesday fan, irrespective of the results, which is just as well. But, you know, it's um, it's exactly why we started Owls Americas and it's only going to get bigger from here. And we're going to we're going to take the uh, the national meetup to bigger and better things next year. The race is already on for a hosting city that isn't riven with COVID-19. Um, so if you've got any suggestions, then we would uh, we would definitely be on board for starting the organizing committee. But for now, we'll move on to the Man City FA Cup game and a better performance by all accounts, Evan. And you want to talk about the goalkeeper? Yeah, I mean, there's no question Wildsmith was great. Um, now, a lot of things can play into that, right? First match back, playing against a Premier League side, you know, you obviously have more focus, more emotion that goes into a match like that. Um, but, you know, I think he did enough in the match to at least earn, you know, an, another start here or there, pl- plugged in midweek or something, uh, just to see if, if he has improved. Uh, and again, I know it was one match, small sample size, but curious what you guys think after seeing him play um if, you, if you'd give him another chance or just stick with dawson for the rest of the for the rest of the year i'm not saying another chance to be the all the regular starter just a chance to win that spot back that's interesting i think i mean i've always been a joe wildsmith fan obviously injuries have somewhat derailed his recent wednesday tenure because there was a time i would say probably the beginning of this podcast where it looked like he was going to be the clear heir apparent to here in Westwood. He's still only 24, which is young for a goalkeeper. You know, you'd think he still has his, his best years ahead of him and you can saw what he, what he offers. He's a pretty, he's a very good shot stopper. I think his distribution is better than uh, Dawson or Westwood's. There was some consternation in the whatsapp group about how responsible he was for the aguero goal i'm like i guess he could have done a little bit better there but it was point blank range and it's literally sergio aguero <laughs> like i don't know how much you want um, you know there's a lot of people at fault for that goal uh, not least of which dominic iorfa who i think on the whole had a very good game but you know just sort of played aguero on side there and you know, let him slip in behind. Again, it's Sergio Aguero. He's going to get his, especially against uh, a Wednesday back four that's, you know, conceded five against Blackburn. But I thought Wildsmith uh, acquitted himself well. And on one level, it's good to have two young, talented, potential first choice keepers. I don't know that I see Monk moving Dawson off the spot for now, uh, barring injury or a series of bad performances. But, you know, given that. Wednesday are pretty well entrenched in the middle of the table, barring a decision from the EFL on the FFP stuff. You can start to maybe look towards the future. Now, whether that future includes Gary Monk or not is another question, but if you wanted to split up the keeping duties a little more to give both a chance to show their wares um that might be worth uh worth doing what do you think james 
Honestly, I, I you know I think it was it was really nice to see Joe Wildsmith come in and, and have a you know a successful return to the side. Um, I've got to be completely transparent. I didn't watch the game. Um, I had a couple of other things on, so um, so I had to prioritize elsewhere. But I, you know, watched the highlights back. He made some good saves. He accounted for himself well. And look, Monk's been really clear. These are the two guys for the future. Westwood isn't in the picture. Um, I hope we find some vehicles to give him a little bit more first team experience before the end of the season. But you know, that has to be earned, and it has to be done appropriately with Dawson as well. So um, I'm pretty comfortable with where we are at the moment. I don't think the problem is the goalkeepers. The problem is <laughs> no. the way we defend. So let's um, let's focus on the real causal issue, which is getting a solid defense back in Wednesday. I mean, I will say, and I'll move on to my talking point here, the level of focus and effort in the Man City game was impressive. Um, there's a few things to unpack out of that. You know, The first question you might ask would be, well, this is the same team that shipped five goals against Blackburn. Why couldn't they apply that level of defensive effort against you know teams like Blackburn or Derby? Certainly, but you know Man City. There's I'll be like, it's Man City. It's a big cup game at home on the Beeb. I would expect the team to be up for it. And yes, I would have the team to put in a little more effort and be a little more focused than they would be for your average championship match because, you know, you have to be. You don't want to get embarrassed. And I don't even really mind the way they played so much. I don't think they played against Man City any differently than a, you know, a Brighton or a Southampton would because that's how you have to play against them. You're just not going to get the lion's share of possession. You have to hit them on the counter. I thought they were very, very solid. You know, for the most part, the defense played well i thought iorfa was really good i thought liam palmer was really good and they you know showed especially in the first half that they could hit man city down the channels here and there uh you know i thought jacob murphy was good on the counter like that's the way you have to play them you have to stay tight and try to nick a goal i mean you'd like to get them a little bit more than 20 percent of possession but again it's a mid-table championship team against one of the best teams in europe and one of the best teams in europe was yeah it did seem in the first half like they were t- treating it a little bit like training or a friendly, and they turned it on for 15 minutes at the beginning of the of the second half and really put them to the sword. But I thought all in all, the performance, they, they showed what they could do. And the biggest problem they had was it, Man City is so good pressing up high as soon as they lose the ball, and you know, that's the way Guardiola plays, that once they were just never able to get out of their own half and really hit them on the counter. But I don't see why they couldn't play like this against a Brentford away. And not to this level, maybe they only have 40% of the possession. It does seem like Monk wants to play more counterattacking style. They can sort of, you'd like to see them take this performance and certain elements of it into those kind of games where you know, they have more time on the ball when they do get it back in their half and maybe can show a little more counterattacking verve and a little more possession uh, in the opponent's half. Or maybe they'll just go back to playing like Wednesday and they'll get completely played off the pitch next week or this Saturday. I don't know. I guess we'll find out because we just keep watching these games. Yeah, for me it was a bit frustrating because um, you know this performance showed us what we're capable of. Well, <laughs> I, I don't want to say we're capable of of one goal spread matches with top European sides, but um, it, it, you know there were, the focus was clearly there. The execution, at least defensively, was there. There was effort, like you said. Um, but, you know, 
I'm going to like one of the Twitter moaners, I think, that, that we see every week. But what's happening in the club, in the, in the locker room before championship matches? Well, why is it so hard for this club to get up for, for championship matches and even show close to that amount of focus? Um, you know, is it, is it just an inability from Monk to, um, you know, to get this team up for matches? Is it literally an attitude problem? I know that's something we've been pointing to for a lot of this, uh, a lot of this season. It's just a stale dressing room uh, with with players that just lack energy because of how long they've been grinding in the championship. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, just kind of. I mean, I was happy to see us not get embarrassed, and it gave me a talking point with some of my friends that don't know who Sheffield Wednesday is or are. But um, but yeah, just. It didn't feel it didn't feel great at the end. <laughs> put it that way. Yeah, I think there's a certain cynicism about this game too. Like if you looked at it, you would think Dominic Iorfa is like a ten million dollar Premier League center back, and you know, hey, maybe that helps Wednesday in the summer window. Same with Forestieri. Um, I just. Again, it does on one level show what the team is capable of, but on the other hand, it also kind of revealed that this is in some ways the same Wednesday squad that's not really getting done in the championship right now, James. Yeah. Um, look, our objective for the time being is just get to the summer, right? Get to the summer, get past the points deduction, stay in the championship, rebuild, whether that's with Monk or otherwise. I'm just, I'm, I'm actually in kind of a fairly sanguine place at the moment i can i can see where we need to go i don't think we're going to get there in this current iteration but they need to clean out that dressing room to get there i think i've, I've kind of been on record of that over recent weeks so let's just get there you know we've we've wasted another season so let's not waste another i do want to before we move on to wednesday news uh <laughs> as weird as the substitutions were i do want to shout out alex hunt who got thrown on and made 28 passes in 30 minutes, including three tackles, one key pass, two clearances, and a successful dribble, which I'm pretty sure is more than Joey Pelopassi has had all season in total. <laughs> yeah, he looked good, didn't he? Yeah. That he was um, Every he time was I see him, unafraid. I think he's like they... 15 years old. He's so tiny. How old is he? Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah, yeah. He's small, but but he he definitely played well. And um, that ball he made across the pitch to to Fletcher, where we almost scored, that was that was phenomenal. I think both of the it was funny to listen to both of the broadcasters. They're like, "What in the heck? Like, where's this guy been? What what they say? If that was um, it was Kevin De Bruyne, they'd be talking about it all day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Uh, yeah, good for Hunt. Good for Hunt. It was nice, actually. I mean, not having watched the game, it was quite nice to see the halo effect of just a few things that came out of that broadcast, right? I mean, you know, I know it's kind of the <laughs> the negative thing to say for a second, but everyone going into the game was kind of wondering whether we were going to get more 10-0 on national TV in the UK. And, and oh, you know, like uh, Aguero and Gabriel Jesus against that back five. Yeah. Up against that back five, exactly. But you know, kind of, you know, as the as you look at the playback on the highlights, if you look at the commentary, the complimentary things that Aguero said afterwards. I mean, of course, he's just being, you know, a little bit nice. But what they're basically saying is, look, 
you know, this club still has something about it. You know, people wanted to come there. They, they made a big thing of it being Sheffield Wednesday, you know, off past lorries in the FA Cup, trying to, to kind of get themselves back on the even keel, which obviously we've been pushing for for years, but at least people recognise there's a desire there. Um, and it was great to see Alex Hunt step up and, you know, catch people's attention. I don't think Joey Pelopesi got quite the same positive write-up <laughs> the co-commentators based on some of the snippets I've seen, but, you know. All good, right? It's, it, it's good that we've got little clips of Bannon nutmegging half the city midfield and stuff like that. That's that's the sort of stuff we wanted to come out of it. I did also enjoy the 7,000 overhead shots of Hillsborough at night on the ESPN Plus broadcast. <laughs> they just kept cutting to instead of showing the game action, which by the second half was fine. I did watch the BBC like pregame run-up, and I have to say I am I was not looking forward to watching this game. But I'm such a fucking sap that they played this little package beforehand. It Is was, this the different class video? Yeah. So it was the uh, it was like a brassy instrumental cover of Common People over like '90s, early '90s highlights. So like Waddle in the '93 away kit and Big Ron with his giant glasses doing a press conference. I'm just like, yeah, let's fucking go. I'm ready for this. Let's. It's like it's like the simple stuff too that just. Yeah, and then of course they had Nigel Pearson in uh, on the pregame as well, and it's just you know, yeah, it's yeah, twenty five years ago now, but actually more than twenty five years ago now, Jesus. But, but but you know what though, Jeff? It's I, I, it's really easy to get caught up in nostalgia, and at times yeah. we say we've got to kind of st- stop looking at the past and we've got to go for the future. But it's part of who we are, and that that was the thing that made the weekend so cool. Because, you know, everyone's swapping stories about kind of, you know, how did you first kind of get to know Wednesday? And it's, it is the Waddles and the 90s and the kind of the FA Cup finals. And people have those stories. And even people who found the club later suddenly find that we have this history. And you don't want to, you don't want to just lose that. And it does put, you know, the hairs up on the back of your neck when you see those videos. All I've seen so far is kind of like a really shitty screen grab version of it. Somebody recorded their TV while it was on. I'm desperately trying to find the real video because that's just a, a piece of editorial genius from a Wednesday point of view. Yeah. We've just got to, we've got to find a way of packaging that history, making it part of our present, making it something that we can all be not just kind of reminiscent proud of, but proud of as part of where we're going. The club could do amazing things. If you could take that history and kind of cascade it across all of our fan groups here in America, we could we could go so many places. It just needs to want to do it. And that's that's what we've got to try and find a way to activate. But for now, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll cover some Wednesday news and preview Brentford away. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. And we'll start with the usual injury roundup. You know, Kieran Lee left the Man City game about the hour mark after picking up a knock. I haven't seen anything. Have they actually announced what that is yet? Uh, yeah, it's a strained or pulled groin yeah, of some yeah. sort. Um, I do feel so bad. Yeah, like he so was... that, that's one of those. Sorry, that's one of those for a guy at his age. Like right. that that his history of lower body two, injuries. Two matches, yeah. or it could be the career, you know, so... A little bit concerning, I suppose, but uh, yeah, out, out this week nonetheless. Julian Borner was back in the squad, at least for first half. Massimo Luongo and Odebajo are back training. Reach might be back for Saturday, so we have a full-ish squad to select from. I guess, how would you integrate these 
newly healthy players going forward. If at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Luongo for Polipesi could, could be a good start. Yeah. Um, I, I'd, I really have liked the body of work that, that Luongo's put in. He's been exciting. Well, I shouldn't even say exciting. He's just been... Steady. He's he steady is good. Yeah, he's he's been what we need. He's kind of a, an unsung hero, if you could pick a hero on this team this year, um, just to step into that role and uh, and fill it pretty well. So yeah, I'd like to see him in for for Pelopesi. Uh Adebayo, I mean, uh, you know, Fox and Palmer have been playing pretty well. Yeah, he looked better um, when he came yeah. back in the squad in December, January. But yeah, I don't think yeah. it's a Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Suppose Reach could just kind of kind of keep the same role he had when he left, right? Yeah. Sporadic starter, bench player, whatever. You sound so enthusiastic about uh, <laughs> getting these players back in the lineup. Well, it's not like it, it's not like we're getting someone back that's going to propel us up a few spots on the table, right? It's yeah. just yeah, some of our some of our regular average players are back. Um, yeah, cool. They can play. I let them in. I don't care. Here's, here's, here's just like a slightly more optimistic view on it. Like, If you think about the composition of the team that went on that run in November, December last year, you know, it had a fair contribution from Luongo, from Reach, from Fletcher. You know, We got Fletcher back playing again, and he has made a difference in at least two of the, the three games that he's, uh, he's played in the league since. I don't, you know, don't think you can necessarily lay the derby defeat at his door, but it's only... You know, he didn't make the difference to the way Kadeem Harris was passing balls, that was sure. Um, but, you know, may, maybe if, if Monk can get back to the majority of that squad, you know, maybe he can conjure a few performances from them. I don't know, but let's let's try and be positive for it. I mean, there's, there's nowhere else to go, right? Thank you, James. <laughs> I actually needed that. More positive about Wednesday than this podcast was Pep Guardiola, who uh, had a lot of... <laughs> My favorite thing, I know James didn't see this, but when... I do enjoy Pep when he's sort of in his weird moods on the touchline. Like he made a point of going over and like very vigorously shaking Stephen Fletcher's hand when he came out as a sub. <laughs> what do you think he said in that moment? I know I he said know. something because Fletcher started to laugh. Yeah, I don't know what he I said. Would just, I would just, I would assume it was like uh, your forwards are shit today, so please challenge my back line and give them a workout. Yeah, what he said about, uh, but he did say very Bannon. He had praise for Bannon. Bannon is an incredible player with quality who made the passes for the fast players up front. Uh, can, can, can we pick out the obvious, the obvious connection? Right, he clearly appreciates a man who's had hair transplant surgery. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying, James. I think uh, Stephen Fletcher's hair growth is all natural. I do like that uh, in part of the post game too. He was prepared. For them to start Eddie Newhue. Like he had prepped for that uh, for that eventuality. But he said, I think they look for people faster. That's why they didn't play with Newhue. But we controlled them. We didn't concede many set pieces. And the second balls were good. I think we deserve to win. It's like a very like... Sort of humble. Not humble per se, but... It, 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 yeah, it's, it's humble. It's... Um, I don't know. It, it just seemed like an average day of of premier league soccer right yeah right yeah 
that would be his response Get after away a win, win yeah. against Liverpool. Uh, yeah, we we deserve to win that one, uh, um, the which is cool. Uh, average day of Premier League soccer, Evan. That would be lovely. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, yeah, I mean, praising Bannon, clearly there's a lack of sleep there uh, on Pep's part. Like he must have been tired and loopy. Uh, I would guess and the thought of you up top was kind of keeping him awake the last mm. few nights. So that's probably what happened. I would have liked to see Nuhia just bossing John Stones around, but it was not to be. Speaking of uh, questionable hair, uh, Chris Waddle popped up on the TV with, how would you describe this, Evan, this hairstyle? Um, Maybe Peaky Blinders meets... 2010 Justin Bieber. Yeah, uh, it was. It was. Uh, you know what? I I love that he's going for it. Mm. I love that he was confident. Um, you know, I, I know he loves a good hairstyle. Mm. Um, so he had like the he good, had like the sides of him. the mullet, but didn't have the top or the back of the mullet that he had in <laughs> yeah. the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, if I were him, I would readdress the situation, but I, I certainly wouldn't be disappointed with the performance. <laughs> I mean, it's literally Chris Waddle, and as we know, he do, does what he wants, including with his hair. <laughs> so now it's time to move on to our match preview for the weekend, and it's every Wednesday night's favorite away day, a trip to Brentford. I hear the keyboards in the background typing in. I'm just confirming stats. that I'm just confirming they're still at Griffin Park this year. I think this is our last year at Griffin Park, James. Yeah. It is. It is the last trip that Sheffield Wednesday will make to Griffin Park. Therefore, the last time that Sheffield Wednesday fans will have a chance to go into that double-tiered standing room-only stand behind a row of houses between four pubs. Look, Brentford's an awesome away day. Um, it hasn't been so awesome for the last couple of seasons because we've usually gone down there and performed fairly abhorrently. Um, but, you know, it's not so far back that you can't remember that game where Zhao scored in the last minute, you know, in Carlos's first season and kicked off the whole dream. Um, or that you can't go back to 2005 when we, uh, you know, we triumphed there in the playoff semi-final, for example. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a special day out, I think, for, for Wednesday fans. Um, it's always nice to have a London away day as well because people, you know, get on the trains, get to a few pubs. I guess maybe there might be a few less people traveling if they're worried about catching the uh, the virus over there. I don't know. But hopefully people are going to enjoy it. Hopefully they make a good amount of noise. Um, the challenge is is not the hospitality. The problem is the, the team on the pitch because Brentford are not by any means a bad side this season. They're not in great form. Um, they got four draws in their last five games and one loss. So, you know, maybe. To Luton. Lost to, to Luton. Luton. I mean, who hasn't really? Yeah, so, so they're they're pretty... Yeah, pretty average side. Uh, Ollie Watkins, though, someone to watch. He's got 22 goals, second in the league this season. Um, past that, you know, they're pretty much like us, right? They're just steady as steady as she goes, and no one really stands out. I mean, they've got, I, I don't know if we remember Ben Rama. He's got 10 goals. Embuemo, Brian Embuemo. I don't know. 13 goals, five it's like assists. This is like completely like a Brentford thing, right? They pick yeah, Watkins yeah. out of League Two and Exeter City and turn him into a 20-goal-a-year striker, and they'll probably sell him on for who knows what to, I don't know, West Brom next year when they get promoted or something. It's very much what they, uh, what they do. 
So we're moving into March and the latter half of the season. What are we actually looking for for Wednesday the rest of the way? Like, What are we trying to hold on to as we move into what might be a summer of major transition for the club? Uh, for me, I'm looking for about, I don't know, 30 more points, maybe 40 more points in the table. Uh, hopefully no, Yeah, yeah, hopefully no point deduction but um i I, honestly i'll leave it for james because i think he kind of started to say it best um a little bit ago yeah it it feels like groundhog season right i feel like there was a point this time last year maybe you know around the time when the bruce run started where i was like let's just get to the end of the season get it get the dressing room cleaned out build from and have a successful season the season to come um and he took us really close so be careful what you wish for if we don't get any points just uh deducted but no look you know, we've we've gone through another season where we've trod trod water, or if anything, you know, step back a little bit. I would really like to see us start to make some, start to show some signals that you know Monk has got a sense of the team he wants to build. I'm behind him if he wants to to continue to start to make some choices over the playing staff. But the sooner we get to the summer, the sooner we get clarity over the points deduction, the better. This club needs to move forward, and it needs to move forward together. It doesn't move forward when the dressing room is splintered, when the fan base is splintered, when the chairman isn't engaged. There's a huge amount of work to do, but we've wasted too much time, so we've got to get on with it. I mean, that's what it all comes down to. Like, I would like to see a better product on the pitch, just for my own personal enjoyment of my spring weekends the rest of the way. That would be nice. But it does feel, I don't want to say meaningless, because there are going to be players down the stretch that... Um, We'll be on the 2020-2021 edition of this team. I know there are players you know, playing for their next contract and, and, and whatnot, and there are going to be a lot of decisions to make in the summer, but it does feel like a, just another year, like you said, Groundhog Day, another couple months of mid-table football. So I mean, maybe we can get some fun results here and there. You know, There's always something potentially to look forward to on the pitch, um, and we'll probably miss it by June anyway, so... James or or Jeff, if you know, uh, do we have an update kind of on the the spending situation for the summer? Um, ba- based on that, based on that three year rolling period, like, do, is there any additional wiggle room that will come up based on what we did three years ago, four years ago? Well, if Monk can pull yeah, off I mean, that uh, eighty five million pound sale of Barry Bannon to Man City, <laughs> yeah, then I think we'll probably be okay. But. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe if we can just enter into a contract with Pep Guardiola for hair transplants, it would uh, it would also offer us a new revenue stream. No, I mean, listen, we're, you know, we're in a new rolling three-year period. It doesn't mean that you don't um, you, you you just kind of go back to Plan Zero when Wednesday have to operate within the constraints of still of the spending that they've accumulated over the past couple of years. Um, but actually, you know, increasingly we're quite a frugal club. We haven't expended a lot, certainly on transfer fees. But we still are carrying players on a reasonably high cost base, and you know several more of those will leave this summer. Um, it all comes down to the same point, I'm afraid, Evan, which is that if we don't sell players for significant fees, we really aren't going to have a lot of money to spend uh, from an FFP perspective going out, irrespective of what Chancery can afford. So, you know, I think where we're at the point where we do need a whole scale change in the squad, we've got to capitalise on some of them. The problem is the majority are going out of contracts, so there's only so many that you actually can sell for a fee we're we're more in a situation where we're getting their operating costs off the books this summer in all honesty 
Thank you. My pleasure. Nothing well, to not, add. Not, not really. I mean, listen, you know, in an ideal world, that FFP will be reviewed, the EFL will come out with new guidance, the shackles will be off, we can spend ourselves into oblivion. I mean, into the, the EFL's big fans of us right now, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think more likely that, you know, if you look at the continuing saga of their discussions with Birmingham this week, it's... Um, it's it's just going to be something we're going to be under the constraint of for a long time. What it comes down to is we need a team that can perform on the pitch that isn't reliant on the highest played players in the league, but that can you know outperform expensively assembled squads. Which lo and behold, it seems most teams that are successful are uh, are able to do more of that than we've managed to achieve by just throwing money at the problem. Great. According to, I don't know if Patty's actually updated this or if he's still in recovery from last weekend, but the only listed meetup right now for the Brentford game is at Finn McCool's in New Orleans. I assume it'll be out at the Main View Inn as well, and perhaps Patty will throw something together at the Football Factory. Watch the uh, Facebook events page for more information on that. Do we have any other business? Uh, I've got another meeting to go to in 15 minutes, so uh, I think that's about as far as I can go. All right. You've been listening to episode 93 of the Owls AmeriCast, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's I Follow Live Match streaming service. Sign up at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdays, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Evan is on Twitter, at Ohio Owl. Evan, how is that Bolivian coffee treating you? Yeah, I feel good, actually. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a good tasting coffee. I don't feel sick yet. I will report back next week. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James is our local craft beer expert. How was the local keg of New Orleans beer? Uh, you know what? It went down really well. It was uh, it was a local pilsner, and it was the perfect thing to be out in the sunshine in March with a bunch of people who are equally easily sunburnt like me. So uh, yeah, it was it was low ABV. It was stronger than Bud Light, but it was perfectly pleasant. I've got to say, big shout out to the. Uh, the breweries around New Orleans because uh, we sampled some really, really good uh, beers over the course of the weekend. Hence why I'm happily sipping water on a daytime podcast these days. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro and we'll see you back here next week.